The six of them played key roles in a World Series that Joe DiMaggio called the most exciting ever. Red Barber, the radio voice of the game's golden age, swore he'd never witnessed such unlikely highs and lows, a time when the stars became supporting players, while journeymen, scrubs, and substitutes played hero, or goat, or both. For some, the 47 series presaged happier times. For others, it was the one shining moment and a losing battle to stay in the majors. Three of them were finished in the big leagues after 1947. One spent the rest of his days living down a near-miss in the game of his life. Two spent decades shaking fans' hands, accepting free drinks and pats on the back, telling and retelling the story of their long-ago heroics. One died young, in a disaster as bizarre as the 47 World Series. Two, the managers, endured endless what-ifs about the moves they made that fall in Brooklyn and the Bronx. This is the story of how seven ball games shaped the rest of their days— it's a true tale of fame, friendship, teamwork, memory, and life's biggest challenge, how we deal with the cards that fate deals us. As Barber put it, for human stories, you'll never beat this one. 1. Six Lives Chapter 1. Young Old Bird Burton Edwin Shotton was born in 1884, Professional baseball was only 15 years old. Mark Twain, who finished writing The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn that year, described baseball as America's very symbol of the drive and push and rush and struggle of the raging, tearing, booming 19th century. Like Huck Finn, young Bird imagined a wider world than the small-town Midwest of his youth. The son of a sailor who manned the freighters playing Lake Erie, he grew up in Bacon's Corners, Ohio, just west of Cleveland. As a teenager, Bert loaded iron ore onto those freighters. On weekends, he earned extra nickels as a substitute barber. Free hours, he played sandlot ball. Most turn-of-the-century Americans were more like Theodore Roosevelt, more bullish on boxing and college football. But dock worker Bert Schotten daydreamed about baseball, about slashing doubles and stealing bases like Jesse Burkett and Bobby Wallace of the Major League Cleveland Spiders. Soon Bert was fighting his way up through baseball's bush leagues. Turns out he had speed to burn, enough speed to beat out infield singles and lead minor league teams in stolen bases. He slowed down just long enough to marry a fan of one of those teams, the Steubenville, Ohio, Stubbs. Mary Daly, a plump, bubbly brunette as old-fashioned as he, became Mrs. Bert Schotten in 1909. They would spend more than half a century together. Bert made his big league debut that season, then bounced back to the minors for a season before joining the St. Louis Browns to stay in 1911. That last-place Browns club was skippered by his old Spiders hero, Bobby Wallace, a Hall of Fame player who proved to be a fretful washout as a manager, winning 57 games and losing 134 before he was replaced early in the 1912 season. Two years later, Browns owner Robert Lee Hedges hired another young manager, Branch Rickey. Shotton starred for Rickey, stealing more than 40 bases four years in a row, with batting averages from 269 to 297. He played shallow in center, making shoe-top catches that turned bloops into outs, racing back to snag long fly balls. Like every speedster, he got nicknamed Barney, after Barney Oldfield, the first 100-mile-an-hour race car driver. 
1915 poll of big league players chose three all-star outfielders, Ty Cobb, Tris Speaker, and Bert Schotten. Like most big league stars, Schotten resisted overtures to jump to the upstart Federal League, which placed a team in St. Louis, the Terriers, to vie with the Major League Browns and Cardinals. But some players made the leap. Future Hall of Famers, Chief Bender, Three Finger Brown, and Bill McKechnie joined Federal League clubs. Aging shortstop Joe Tinker of Tinker to Evans to Chance fame jumped to the Outlaw League's Chicago Whales, whose owner built a new ballpark that would later become known as Wrigley Field. After their Federal League folded in 1915, the owners of the Baltimore Terrapins franchise brought an antitrust lawsuit against the National and American Leagues. That suit went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, which ruled that because baseball was a sport, not a business, it was immune to federal antitrust laws.